everyone, and welcome to episode 27 of the Luna's Galaxy Podcast. My name is Emmy, but you can also call me Luna, and I'll be the host of this show. Luna's Galaxy Podcast goes live on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, YouTube, and other podcast services on Tuesday every two weeks. For this episode, we have four segments, gaming news, what I've been playing, questions, and video games for girls. These girl gamers, girly games, we're going to be talking all about that. But before we get started, if you would like to leave a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, I would very, very much appreciate it. Also, I've decided to launch my very own Patreon account. So if you are interested in supporting myself and my content financially, you can follow the link in the description to become a Patreon member. There are three different tiers available, ranging from $3 to $12 Canadian, which I think the highest tier is roughly $10 in the US, so... Different currencies, you know? But depending on what tier you contribute to, you can gain early access to the Luna's Galaxy podcast and any upcoming YouTube videos, exclusive Patreon content, including random Emmy posts, (laughs) and my weekly gaming journal, podcast outlines and video scripts, and a special thank you message from me at the beginning of the podcast and at the end of any YouTube videos. Speaking of which, thank you to my first Patreon subscribers at the Galaxy tier, Tolizu and Stevie. I really appreciate your support and hope that everyone who decides to support my Patreon enjoys the extra content. Also, if you can't support me financially, that is 100% okay too. If you want to support me in other ways, be sure to like, comment, subscribe, leave a review, share my content, etc, etc. It means a lot to me regardless of if you support me, um, how you choose to support me, whatever. I'm like incredibly grateful just to have you listening to me and enjoying my content. So thank you so much regardless. But anyway, let's get into the gaming news. So first up, we are going to be having a Disney and Marvel game showcase. Um, This got announced like two weeks ago now. It was a while ago. (laughs) Um, This was announced a while ago. And this is the Disney and Marvel game showcase, which is going to be September 9th at D23. And I am, of course, hoping for some Kingdom Hearts news. In the past, Kingdom Hearts has pretty much always been at D23. I don't know if it has been since the release of Kingdom Hearts 3, but leading up to it, I remember we got a new trailer there. That was where they revealed that Big Hero 6 was going to be in Kingdom Hearts 3. So I definitely think we're going to see something Kingdom Hearts. I don't think it's going to be Kingdom Hearts 4, (laughs) but I think we could see some news about Kingdom Hearts Missing Link, which is supposed to be coming out in beta this year, I believe. So I would be surprised if we didn't hear something soon. So... That's where I'm placing my bet. As for literally everything else in the showcase, I'm not sure. <laughs> but I hope there's some cool Disney announcements. I don't, I'm not a Marvel type of person, but I like Disney games. So that'll be interesting. I'm interested to see just like how this will be structured, how it'll be, because obviously we've done a lot of game showcases. We've got Nintendo Direct, PlayStation Showcase. There's so many things. But I'm curious to see what it'll be like coming from such a big company like Disney, I guess, that hasn't really, like, this is the first time they're doing a Disney and Marvel game showcase. This is the first time it feels like they're really dipping their toes into what gamers want to see, you know, these types of showcases. So I am curious how it'll go down, if it'll be (laughs) a shit show or if it'll be really good. I mean, I'm leaning more towards really good because it's Disney and Marvel. There should be some big showings, I would assume, some bigger games. Um, and I was, but it's more so like the pacing and just the presentation of it all that I'm more curious to see, but that'll be interesting. Maybe I'll stream it. Maybe I won't. It kind of depends, uh, 
when is September 9th? I don't know. It's like 5 p.m. So maybe, maybe we'll see. I'll get back to you guys on that. <laughs> but anyway, in other news, Zero Time Dilemma has been delisted from the PlayStation Network. This, so this happened, I want to say like the day after the last podcast came out. So almost two weeks ago now. And <laughs> I found this out because Iron Aggro um, posted something in the Discord about, like, Zero Time Dilemma's been delisted, and I was like, what? And I checked on the PlayStation app, and I was like, yeah, you, you can't buy it anymore. And so, I actually did some digging around, and I believe the PS Vita version of Zero Time Dilemma and the 3DS version of Zero Time Dilemma got delisted about a year ago, I want to say, but more recently, the PS4 version of Zero Time Dilemma got delisted, so it's just not on PSN at all anymore. And so that was weird. And so what most people are speculating and are assuming to be true is, so basically something very similar happened with the Danganronpa games, I want to say one or two years ago, where they all got delisted and then they all got republished. So if you don't know, the Zero Escape games were originally published in the West by Axis Games. And now... <laughs> Spike Chunsoft has been doing more of their own publishing. So, you know, a few years ago, they were doing publishing through Axis. Um, Danganronpa was published by NIS America. So different publishers, but now they're doing their own publishing. So what people are assuming is that similar to what happened with Danganronpa, those publishing rights, licensing, whatever has expired from, you know, Axis or NIS America in the case of Danganronpa. And so it's just taking some time to, for them to be relisted as Spike Chunsoft. So that's pretty much what's going on. At least that's what we're assuming. <laughs> so Zero Time Dilemma is no longer on PlayStation Network, but I, I think it's going to be up pretty soon. And I think it's going to be back up pretty soon because about a week later, so yesterday as the time of I'm recording, Zero Time Dilemma has been announced to be releasing on Xbox <laughs> on August 30th. So it got delisted from PlayStation two weeks ago. And then, you know, yesterday they announced... Well, they didn't really announce it. It was just like an Xbox blog post. Um, the Xbox blog post had Zero Time Dilemma on there releasing August 30th, which is actually the date the podcast comes out. So if you're listening on the day this comes out, if you have an Xbox, go, go play Zero Time Dilemma. <laughs> um, were the Nonary games on Game Pass? I want to say that they are. I want to say that the Nonary games also came to Game Pass. I know Danganronpa did. I think the Nonary games did as well. Um, we don't know if Zero Time Dilemma is going to come to Game Pass, but... I, I'm maybe <laughs> yeah because when the nonary games originally came out on xbox it was like originally announced to be on game pass not just xbox anyway so like maybe that'll happen i don't know but at least for now it seems to just be you know on there not game pass but we shall see and what i'm assuming is that you know august 30th when zero time dilemma comes out on xbox we'll also see it be relisted in the playstation network Th that's my guess <laughs> If not, then I'm going to be kind of sketched out, but I'm assuming at least, you know, that week within that similar time frame, that's going to be back on PSN. So we'll see. And I'm also, like, fingers crossed that, you know, now that the Nonary Games and Zero Time Dilemma, the Axis Games licensing has kind of expired or whatever, I'm, fingers crossed that this means that those games can now come to Switch. <laughs> Because, I mean, once again, that's basically what happened with Danganronpa. Once that licensing ran out, Spike Chunsoft's like, let's put this collection on the Switch. So, you know, every Nintendo Direct from here on out, 
I'm going to be insufferable because I'm going to be wanting Zero Escape on Switch. Even more so because now I feel like it's actually within my grasp. I feel like it might actually happen. So really, really hoping that this means in the future we'll get Zero Escape on Switch. <laughs> because who would have thought it'd come to Xbox first, right? But anyway, very exciting. And some more very exciting news for me anyway, is that Bratz Flaunt Your Fashion has been announced to be releasing in the fall of this year. So how this went down <laughs> was the Bratz TikTok account uh, posted this little video, this little TikTok of this, like, a controller. And people were talking about, like, the nails because the girl holding the controller had, like, these really, you know, nice nails. Like, they, they were done. And, you know, some of the, a lot of the comments were like, oh my god, like, the Bratz games are coming back. But then you'd see a few that are like, guys, it's, like, probably just for the nails. Like, they're probably doing, like, a nail line or something. And so, I got my hopes up, and then I was like, okay, let's tame, let's, like, let's calm down my expectations. Because <laughs> what are the odds that in the year 2022 we're gonna get a new Bratz game? Like, how, what the fuck? Like, <laughs> that would be insane, right? But then the next day... <laughs> This trailer came out and it looks, it looks great. It's going to be a day one buy for me, <laughs> which is like wild to think about because y'all know me. I don't, I don't buy games day one unless it's like something I really fucking want, but I really fucking want this and I'm probably going to stream it. It's going to be so much fun. Ah, I don't think it's going to be like fully priced either. So that definitely helps. And they're, they're doing like physical versions of it too, which also kind of surprised me. I don't know how easy that's going to be to get because I think I'll probably have to go right through the publisher. I doubt it's going to be on like Amazon or Walmart or anything, which is what I usually do. So we'll see, but I'm going to try and get a physical version of it. And it's releasing for like all consoles, which is wild. It's coming up for like Xbox, Switch, PS4, PS1, PS1. Oh my God, not the PS1, <laughs> PS5. <laughs> girl okay and steam so that's also very exciting which it, it kind of made me laugh because i the sonium files nirvana initiative <laughs> for some reason didn't get a ps5 version it's just ps4 and so i thought it was funny that bratz is getting a ps5 version but you know nirvana initiative didn't anyway this is very exciting for me <laughs> the trailer was just like you know it's playing the bratz theme song the style of it i'm not gonna lie it's not like my favorite but, like, I'm just happy we're getting this, so, like, I'm not going to complain. I'm just, I'm very happy. I'm trying to decide what I want to get it on, if it's going to be, like, a Switch, if I'm going to get the PS5 version. It's between those two, because I'm like, maybe I want to play it on the go, but then I'm also like, well, I want to stream it, so then I'd be playing on my PS5 anyway. So, I don't know what I'm going to do there. <laughs> I'll probably get both or something, I don't know. But I'm, I'm very, I'm very much looking forward to it. And there's some parts in the trailer where it seems to like call back to the older Bratz games. So I streamed Bratz Rock Angels about a year ago, a few months ago. I don't know. It's been a while. And that was so much fun. <laughs> and ah, like there's parts in the trailer where you can tell that they kind of, they definitely took inspiration from those older games. So it looks like they're bringing back, like they have a roller skating in the old games. It's like, it's kind of weird and jank to control. But, you know, the charm or whatever. And, you know, some of the mini games, etc., etc. <laughs> Definitely, like, all the fashion customizations of the outfits, the makeup, all that. It, it just, oh, I'm so excited for it. I'm, ah, like, who would have thought? Like, to me, this was one of those things where it's like, this is, like, never going to happen. And Bratz has kind of been in a revival era lately with, like, they're releasing, you know, old, they're re-releasing older dolls and, you know, doing all this stuff. But... 
I don't know. I thought a game was like the least possible thing to happen. I was like, you know, maybe they'd revive the show. They could, you know, I could see them doing a lot of things. I didn't think the game would be one of them. <laughs> so this is very, very exciting. I'm, I'm very excited. Um, interestingly, the original games were made by THQ. This new game isn't. I can't remember exactly who the developer is, but it's not the same. It's not under the same developer or publisher that those original, you know, older games were like Rock Angels and Diamonds and all that. But <laughs> I'm very excited. Can you tell? Anyway, another piece of news. This is iRelated. Um, Uchikoshi has once again teased i3 on Twitter. <laughs> so he's done this a few times now, just kind of low key. But this one was more high key. <laughs> so um, Jackie Lastra is Iris's English voice actor, and she, I can't remember what the tweet was, but she tweets something about Isomnium Files. I think it might have been, like, her playthrough of Nirvana Initiative or something. And Uchi replied to it, <laughs> and he said, I got a great idea about Iris for the third. Looking forward to hearing it next time. There was more in that tweet, but, you know, just, just highlighting the important stuff here. Um... <laughs> Like, Isonium Files 3 hasn't even been announced, talked about, teased, really, by Spike Chunsoft in any, like, professional public way. Um, but Uchikoshi is just, he's like, the third gay. <laughs> and part of me is, like, scared because I think of Zero Escape, right? Like, if you were, if you liked Zero Escape before Zero Times Limit got announced, you know, you know the pain of finishing Virtue's Last Reward and then, you know, reading the VLR interview and, you know, just looking into stuff and hearing Uchikoshi say things like, you'll hear about it in the third game and, like, all this type of stuff. And then as Zero Escape 3 got cancelled, but then it got greenlit again after a few years and then it came out and it was kind of a mess. So I am a bit nervous that Uchi's doing this because I'm like, what if... Because Spike Chunsoft put out that that survey, right? You know, gauging interest for future projects. And I'm like, well, what if the survey doesn't go well or something? And they're like, actually, let's not do I3. And then meanwhile, Uchikoshi's on Twitter having already said these things. So I'm not sure. Um, I, you know, I'm hoping that we don't go down that, that route again. The bad route, the bad ending. <laughs> but who knows? Who knows? Anyway... The Game Awards for 2022 have been announced. They're going to be on December 8th on a Thursday, as usual. And uh, this year, they're introducing a new category for Best Adaptation, which is interesting. And I started thinking about this, and I'm like, I wonder what the nominations will be like, because we, we are getting more gaming adaptations over the, the years. You know, we've had, like, the Sonic movies that have been good. We just got the Uncharted movie. The Last of Us is going to be having its TV show next year. We've had a lot of Resident Evil stuff of varying quality, like... But there's been, like, Arcane, there's been a lot of video game adaptations lately. And so, you know, I think, interesting. But then I think of the quality of most of the adaptations, and it feels like maybe we're a bit premature to this category. Because, like, if you just think of nominations, you're like, okay, Sonic 2 is going to win this year. Because that's, like, I feel like that's the only video game adaptation this year that came out that hasn't received some sort of, like, the fans don't like this. Like, I enjoyed the Uncharted movie, but I know that's, like, eh, it's, like, pretty mediocre. <laughs> like, 
I enjoyed it. But anyway, so I just, I don't, it's like the quality of that category is what makes me like, hmm, because I don't think the nominations are going to be spectacular. Like there's going to be like one winner that, you know, it's probably going to be between the good to great tier, but I don't know. I'm curious to see how this will turn out because I mean, yeah, there have been more adaptations over the years, but how good have they been? How worthy of an award have they been? So that's interesting. Anyway, Gamescom opening night live happened and I watched some of it. Um, I, I like struggled to watch it because we were getting like a new Wi-Fi thing installed. And so like halfway through they were doing that and I lost Wi-Fi. And so I'm like trying to watch using my data and it just didn't really work out. But I watched like the first hour of the show. I saw everything that was on Twitter, you know, after that point. And it, there was just nothing in it for me. It, it, like, it's rare that that happens. You know, usually I can pinpoint one thing in a show that really makes me interested. <laughs> like, like last year at Gamescom, it was Saints Row, or I think Dokev was also there that year. And those things both like piqued my interest. There was literally nothing this year for me. And from what I've heard from other people, they seem to kind of enjoy it, or at least, you know, put it on the same scale as those other showcases, but I just, there was nothing, <laughs> there was nothing in there for me, so let's just move on. So PlayStation has increased the price of the PS5 basically everywhere except the United States, and so it, it went up in Canada, which is where I am. I am Canadian, you probably know this by now. It went up about $20 in Canada, at least, um... I checked for the one that I have, which is like the physical, the one with the disc drive. And I, th I assume it's the same for the digital only. It went up by like $20 Canadian, which isn't much. You know, if you're gonna buy a PS5, what's another $20? But it is still shitty, <laughs> like to say the least. And I don't know, I just, it sucks. I, I would not have done this if I was PlayStation. I mean, I know I don't know what goes on behind the scenes and, I mean, here's the other thing. The hardcore gamers that are seeing this news on, like, IGN or whatever, like, we're gonna know that the price went up. But I don't think most people that are looking to buy a PS5, you know, for their kid, like, the casual gamer, I don't think they're even gonna fucking know that the price went up. Or, you know, like, it's not gonna be enough for anyone to budge on, you know, you're gonna spend, like, 500 to $600 on a console, what's another 20 you know? So, eh, I don't think it's gonna change much like, from a consumer standpoint, but it's still shitty. <sighs> and my last bit of news is that the Kingdom Hearts Dark Road finale happened. Um, I watched the Super Spaghetti Bros. I watched their stream of it. Um, Bros of the Ansem Report podcast. Go check them out if you like Kingdom Hearts. Wonderful, wonderful Kingdom Hearts podcast, but you probably already know that. And it was really fun watching them. I had a lot of fun just, you know, vibing in the stream. Uh, Jason and Mike were doing really funny voice acting. <laughs> Mike had a Mickey Mouse voice. It was fun. I liked it go check them out. But Dark Road itself <laughs> was like very mid and I'm not going to like into spoilers here because frankly I don't, I didn't see the entirety of it. I saw, I watched maybe like the last hour, hour and a half of Dark Road-ish and just from what I watched I was like I don't get the hype. <laughs> I don't understand. To me it was very mid. I was just like okay you know, whatever moving on let's just forget about that. So I don't know. I'm starting to feel like maybe I'm a fake Kingdom Hearts fan because I just, I don't get it. Anyway, that's all for news. <laughs> so let's talk about what I've been playing. So I'm still playing Final Fantasy XIV. I finished Heavensward. Um, the ending was a lot. 
that was a lot. Um, I also started Stormblood though, and that's more so what I want to talk about. So I'm really enjoying Stormblood so far, and I feel like this might be controversial, but I feel like I'm going to enjoy Stormblood more than Heavensward. And I say it's controversial because I feel like when I see most people ranking, um, like the 14 expansions, it's usually like Shadowbringers, Heavensward, and Stormblood is like near the, near the, the, the bottom. <laughs> I couldn't think of the fucking word. It's usually near the bottom of like that tier when they're like ranking Final Fantasy 14 and the expansions and stuff. But I'm really enjoying Stormblood so far. I really like the environments. Um, so you go to like Alamigo and there's another area that I can't think of the name right now. Um, but it's like where Doma is. Um, Kugane? I think it's Kugane. So that's where I've been so far. And I really like those environments more than the Heavensward environments, which I think plays a lot into that because so much of Final Fantasy XIV is just the world. And so I think that, that really helps. I also like uh, sort of the characters and the conflicts that are happening in Stormblood. I just think that they're more interesting than Heavensward. Heavensward was really all about, you know, the dragons and this year, decade, century old conflict and I just, I wasn't very invested the same way that I am with Stormblood. I don't know. I think it's just the dragon thing for me. I'm like, <laughs> like, I don't care that much um, about that specifically. I just, I find myself a lot more invested in Stormblood so far. And yeah, I'm, I'm enjoying it so far. So yeah, that's fun. <laughs> but I've also been playing Tinkerbell for the DS, Nintendo DS. And okay. So, <laughs> me playing Tinkerbell for the DS combined with its, this Bratz game announcement that happened this past week got me really thinking about girl games lately, which is, you know, why I'm doing this for Topic of the Show. We're talking about girl games because it's been on my mind. <laughs> and so, I played Tinkerbell um, as a kid um, and recently I rebought it because... <laughs> I think I talked about this before on the podcast, but my mom used to buy like these counterfeit DS games off eBay because they were a lot cheaper, right? And so they worked if you had like a DS Lite. They always worked on my DS Lite. But uh, once I got my DSi 3DS, there's like some sort of anti-piracy thing in those systems that you can't play those counterfeit games on them. You need to have the originals or whatever. And so... I couldn't play that Tinkerbell game for so long, even though I wanted to. And so I was just browsing eBay one day and it was like a cartridge only version of it. And it was for like, I don't know, like $8 or something. So I was like, fuck it. <laughs> I want to play Tinkerbell again because I hadn't played it in so long. And it is so good and fun. Like that might sound wild, but like I'm having so much fun with it. And so you play as Tinkerbell <laughs> and you really use the bottom screen. It's all touch controls with the stylus and stuff. And so, you know, you control Tinkerbell, you can like fly and the flying feels really good. That might be a weird thing to say, but just like the physics of it, the feeling of it when you're flying as Tinkerbell, it just feels really good. Like it feels perfect, like how it should feel. I don't know. And so you play as Tinkerbell and you have to collect different items like flowers, gemstones, threads, dewdrops, etc, etc. And repair items to help change the seasons because Tinkerbell is Tinker Fairy, so she's good at fixing shit. And so the aesthetic of this game is so cute and cozy. It's like giving cottagecore vibes. <laughs> 
and it's 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 so much fun. So I think part of the reason why I really like it is because you talk to like the minister of each season, so like the minister of autumn, the minister of summer, and all that, and they'll give you like a checklist where you know you'll have to find different items or repair items. And so there's just something very satisfying about being able to check off the checklist. <laughs> and you can get the items by just like finding them in Pixie Hollow, or you can do little mini games to get them, or you can do like favors for other fairies. So, you know, a fairy might ask you to like fix an item for them or to bring them an item that will give you something in return. And there's different mini games and they all use the stylus, it's all touch controls. And it's so fun. And you can also craft new outfits and accessories, which we love in girl games. That's one of my favorite things. <laughs> and it's all just so cute because it's like, it's fairy themed. And so, you know, the dresses are like leaves and flowers. And it's, it's so, ah, I love it so much. Also, the character models are like surprisingly really good. So if you talk to a fairy on like the top screen, there will be like a sprite isn't the right word but they'll be like a little model for them and they look very good like they look better than kingdom hearts 358 over two days <laughs> models like significantly better and so like it's just it's pretty it's fun and it's also like kind of addictive like i, I just really like the gameplay loop um of you know checking the checklist doing some mini games every now and then doing favors you know exploring pixie hollow it's I'm having a fantastic time, you guys. <laughs> it might sound silly. Um, I also had Tinkerbell and the Great Fairy Rescue, I think is what that one is called. I also had that on the DS when I was a kid, and I didn't like that one as much. Um, but it is, like, very similar with, like, the outfits and the accessories. And But anyway, I think there's, like, more of a story to it, and the gameplay loop isn't as good. But I am thinking about buying Tinkerbell and the Lost Treasure for the DS, because I don't have that one. And I just, these, these games are really cute. <laughs> You're looking for, like, a girly game to play, and you like Tinkerbell, this is, like, a 10 out of 10 recommendation. <laughs> but anyway, speaking about girly games, my question for y'all for this episode was, what's your favorite girly game? And so, obviously, I mean, maybe not obviously, but according to my analytics, most of my listeners are men. <laughs> so I wasn't sure how this question was going to go, but y'all had answers. And so obviously, you know, gender is a social construction and anyone can play a girly game. What even is a girly game, right? And so kind of what I told you guys as a baseline and to give you an idea of what I'm talking about here is it can be one of two things. It can be a game like Tinkerbell or Bratz where it is you know, made and really targeted only at girls, right? Um, that's, they're made for girls. <laughs> targeted that way, marketed that way. Girls are supposed to play this game. Or it could be something like in more recent years where we think of things like Animal Crossing or The Sims as girly games, not because they're marketed that way, but just because they seem to have a very big female player base. So that was my guideline, but... It's okay if you went off a bit, so. The first answer comes from Tolly Zoo, and Tolly Zoo says, Metroid, if that doesn't qualify, I like Style Star on 3DS. Also pretty sure that World of Warcraft qualifies as a dress-up slash accessorizing game. <laughs> and yeah, like, 
I love when games let you dress up. <laughs> like, I know there's this meme that, like, the real end game of Final Fantasy XIV is just, you know, doing glamours and all that. So, that is one, I think, um, what was I gonna say? Oh my god. Oh my god. It's at the tip of my tongue, and I can't think of the word, but it's, like, a real, um, <laughs> I can't think of the word. <gasps> What's the word? Anyway... It's a real something, um, of girly games. <laughs> Why can't I think of the fucking word? It's a real something of girly games to, like, be able to dress up and accessorize and all that stuff. Like I said, that was one thing I really like about my Tinkerbell game, <laughs> is getting to get different outfits and accessories. It's a lot of fun. But anyway... <laughs> Why can't I think of that word? That's going to irritate me, like, all day now. I'm going to be editing the podcast, and I'm going to know the word I'm thinking of, and I'm going to be like, damn, you suck. Anyway. And Desi Spark says, the only game I might have played in that category might be the Totally Spies game for the Game Boy Advanced. Okay. Interesting. I had a Totally Spies game for my DS, and I don't know if it's, it's probably not the same one, but I remember... If I'm remembering correctly, it was, like, a bit stealthy, and I remember just getting really frustrated at it as a kid, so I didn't play it much, but I do have it, so there's that. And then V really went ham, V really went ham on her answers. So Super Princess Peach, which I gotta say, I love Super Princess Peach. That's another counterfeit game that my mom got me, and that's another one that I've been thinking about rebuying. Tinkerbell and Super Princess Peach were the only ones... <laughs> that I, like, genuinely wanted to rebuy. Because I have, like, a few other ones, and I've either already rebought them, or I just, I don't fucking care about them enough to rebuy them. But, man, Super Princess Peach was a lot of fun. But anyway, Animal Crossing, that one Barbie.com game where you went grocery shopping. <laughs> I don't remember that one. Uh, this Barbie Kelly CD-ROM game my cousin had. I think it was called Kelly's Clubhouse. Also, as a kid, I had a CD-ROM game that was Cinderella Dollhouse. Dollhouse? I feel... Why, why is that such a weird word to say right now? Anyway. Where it was basically Animal Crossing-esque interior design, but much more basic. Also, America's Next Top Model for the Wii. You could fight in that game. <laughs> I feel like I gotta get in on that. Also, I'm sure I would still eat up any shitty licensed game from my girly magical girl anime. Man, so... I, there's a Shuguchara DS game that was only released in Japan, and I have it on my eBay watch list, <laughs> and I kind of want to get it because, you know, DS games aren't region locked, you can play them, whatever, but I'm like, I wouldn't be able to read, <laughs> but like, it just looks so cute, so, uh, that's a struggle, that's a struggle. Also, the Hannah Montana Wii game and the Wizards of Waverly Place DS game, I played, I have the Wizards of Waverly Place DS game, <laughs> I don't remember the name, but I had this DS fashion slash sewing game, and I had a mechanic where you had to swat away moths, or else they would make holes in your garments, and you would have to make patches to cover the holes. <laughs> and then how could I forget about Mary-Kate and Ashley, Sweet 16, License to Drive, also Hello Kitty Roller Rescue. Thank you, V. Thank you for all your answers. 
And then Iron Aggro says, does Final Fantasy X-2 count? Because if so, then it's that 100%. Played it for the first time earlier this year and it quickly became my third favorite game in the series. Oh, I love this. Amazing combat system, fantastic bright environments and people. My favorite Final Fantasy protagonist in Yuna trying to process her grief and live her life after 10. And most importantly, the entire game is shaped around the fact that it's about three girls who actually just want to have fun. Yes! And like... Here's another thing where I was kind of talking about earlier where such a core part, was that the word I was thinking of earlier? Of, you know, girl games is, you know, dressing up and accessorizing and all that. And in 10-2, you have the dress spheres and that's how you, like, form your party is, you know, if you want to be a, a white mage, you gotta have the dress sphere and all these different things and these different outfits, but they all have different, you know, actual gameplay relevance. <laughs> I really like 10-2. I really want to go back to that. I never technically finished it, but man, I want to go back to 10-2. Like, they're just girl bossing, right? And I think it gets, I feel like it's one of those games where, you know, back in the day, people viewed it as like, what the fuck? You know, following up from 10 and then getting 10-2, it's just, it can feel kind of jarring. And also just, you know, back then people didn't want, um... I guess that kind of girl power in their games <laughs> or maybe the camp, the campiness of it. I don't know. Um, but it was definitely a different vibe, but I feel like people like tend to more now than they did when it first came out, which makes me very happy because tend to was one of my first final fantasy games. Actually, I got it at like one of those, not a yard sale, but like, you know, a market type thing where, you know, they have the tables and it's, you know, used games and that's where I got tend to. And, man, <laughs> I really like 10-2. I, I love, I love that it's your third favorite Final Fantasy game. That is, like, that's fantastic. I really want to go back to it, but anyway. And then Adam says, this one is pretty tough considering my taste, which is understandable. Understandable, Adam. Um, Animal Crossing, I guess, if you consider that to be one. It's chill and a lot of fun. Started with a new leaf, didn't play it as much as I want to, TBH. I feel like I should go, I feel I feel like I should go back to it soon. New Horizons took over my life for like a month, like everyone else, and I really enjoyed it, though it feels a little hollow to me with the villagers constantly saying the same thing. Just started playing the first Animal Crossing for the first time on the Steam Deck. It's very cute. I'm looking forward to, uh, to the villagers being mean. Other than that, I had a Wizards of Waverly Place game on the DS that was bad, but I enjoyed it a lot. I was like nine. I don't know. Yeah, I remember the Wizards of Waverly Place game, and it wasn't good. <laughs> but I'm glad we, we shared that experience. But yeah, I definitely think Animal Crossing counts because even though, you know, it wasn't marketed towards girls and, you know, the player base is, I would say, pretty even when it comes to, you know, boys, girls, not boy, girl, <laughs> like everyone, all the different genders that play Animal Crossing. You know, I feel like it's pretty evenly spread. But when you see people, like a lot of streamers that are really into Animal Crossing, it's usually women. <laughs> and so... Yeah, I feel like that definitely counts, and, you know, kind of like I've been talking about, um, I think it's one of those games where girl games and games that girls tend to like are ones that have, like, a lot of customization, where it's dressing up, which I've talked about a lot already, or if, you know, it's like Animal Crossing, where, like, you can decorate your house, or in the case of New Horizons, you can really decorate your island, and so I definitely feel like that's, that counts, and also... <laughs> Yeah, I, I wish the villagers were mean in New Horizons. 
I feel like, I don't know, Adam, I f one of my favorite Animal Crossing games is Wild World. There's, like, not much to do in it, especially compared to New Leaf and New Horizons. But, I mean, if you're interested, I really like Wild World. I have a lot of nostalgia for it, so that's probably why. That's the DS one. And, yeah, if you're looking for something to try out, I, I would recommend Wild World. Because they're, like, still mean in that. So, it works. And then Mila says, ooh, gender. Definitely visual novels aimed at women. So, that primarily includes Atome Games, which is girl-boy romance. And Yuri, girl-girl romance. And haven't tried Yaoi yet, Guy Guy. To form an opinion, examples of games include the likes of Code Realize, Cupid Parasite, Nor 9, and Highway Blossoms. I'm so glad more of them are getting localized from Asia as well as made by indie devs. Yeah, I definitely want to try more Tome games. Um, my only experience is with Mystic Messenger, which was the mobile game, but I, I, I kind of want to try more. I don't know, but I don't know if I would enjoy it. It's like one of those weird things. I don't know, but I might... I might try more. But I, th I think that definitely counts. They're very obviously targeted towards women, so. Hell yeah. And then Cubic says, I had to share the PS1 with my sister as a kid, but the only game she wanted to play was Mary-Kate and Ashley Magical Mystery Mall. She eventually stopped playing games altogether, and I 100% it when I, was, when I got super bored during a summer. God bless. And then Soy Sauce Asian says, Imagine Ice Champions for me. It was bought for my sister, but I was the one who played a crap ton of it. It's shockingly anime as hell. Interesting. There was a lot of those Imagine games for the DS, and I don't think I had, like, any of them. But now I kind of want to try them. <laughs> because y'all know I really like the DS and, like, that era of games. So we'll see. I might, I might, be, I might be playing some Imagine Ice Champions. And Trio says, it was definitely tough to think of games that I played that would be considered a girly game, but if I were to choose, I would pick Animal Crossing Amiibo Festival, specifically the Desert Island Escape minigame. Amiibo Festival as a board game was 100% luck-based, so it wasn't as fun as Mario Party as a board game, but Desert Island Escape was a really fun way to use all the Animal Crossing Amiibo cards for a very challenging, fun, and replayable experience. Interesting. I don't know much about Amiibo Festival, so interesting. And then Ambidex Cube says Yakuza games. And then in brackets, I'm not even joking. <laughs> but you're right. You're like 100% right. I think that Yakuza games are for girls. <laughs> Do they fit into the category of girly games that I've established? Probably not. However, you know what does? The Cabaret Club. And that's what we're going to be talking about. <laughs> so for anyone that isn't familiar, you might be familiar with the Yakuza games. But if you haven't played a Yakuza game yourself... You might not know that some of the mini-games in Yakuza, or like some of the side quests, are very unique. So one of the main ones in like Yakuza 0, and I think in most of the mainline Yakuza games, at least that I've played, there's a cabaret club. And the mechanics of the cabaret club do differ a bit from game to game, but typically what you're doing is you have these hostesses and you can dress them up. <laughs> And so they also, you can give them like different stats. They all have kind of like preset stats, but depending on what they're wearing, you can like maximize certain things like their sexiness or their cuteness, etc., etc. I can't remember exactly what it is. It does play like a simulation game once you actually get into it, at least for the Oxy Zero one, where, you know, you do your dress up and then you go at it and it's like a simulation of like making sure that everything is going okay with the hostesses and um, the person that's, like, at their table. 
and the music that plays is very good. It's, just, it's a fantastic time. So yes, I do think that the Yakuza games are for girls, especially the Cabaret Club. Anyway. Then James says, okay, there's a Wii game called America's Next Top Model that I want you to play because it's so bad it's good. I have to play this, I think, because I'm just, once V said that they could fight, I was like, oh, the girls are fighting. <laughs> so maybe I need to check it out. And Kyora says, I definitely say Animal Crossing and Sims are my favorites. Then Leanne says, Poke Park Pikachu's Adventure, aka best non-mainline Pokemon game. Interesting. I don't even know if I've heard of that. And then Beep says, oh, I love Animal Crossing. There's probably others, but I can't think of them at the moment. Completely understandable. Then Andre says, there was this spinoff for the Wii called My Sims Kingdom that I absolutely loved and spent way more time than I care to admit. Also getting married in any and all Harvest Moon slash Story of Season games. I, okay, I don't know what the differences are between the two games. So I had My Sims Kingdom for the DS. And I, obviously there's going to be some differences there, but I don't know how different they were. I'm intrigued to know because I did really like the DS, the DS game. I did really enjoy it as a kid, even though I rage quit and I smashed my head, um, on my DS, <laughs> on the top screen of my DS. And that's, anyway, let's move on. Then Jay says, Harvest Moon, another wonderful life. It's literally just a wonderful life, but with a <gasps> female care, female playable character. Great game though. Also, a friend in university showed me how addicting Style Savvy was back in the day. Man, I want to play Style Savvy. That's one that I didn't have, but it's actually, like, alarmingly expensive on eBay because I actually did look at this because I was interested in playing more girly games. And, um, <laughs> it wasn't, like, super-duper expensive, but it's more than I would like to pay. So, maybe someday. And then Brayden says, Miraculous Ladybug Game. And so... I'm not sure what one that Braden is talking about, because I think there are some Miraculous Ladybug mobile games. And so I did some Googling, and apparently there's a Miraculous Ladybug game coming out at some point this year. I don't know. I haven't heard much about it, but maybe that's happening. I don't know. Um, and I really like Miraculous Ladybug. You might not know that. At least I used to really like it. I still watch it from time to time if it's on TV. I was watching it this morning. Um, so if, you know, if that video game comes out on consoles, maybe, maybe I will try it. <laughs> Will it be trash? Maybe, but I will play it. Anyway, and then Shameless Senpai says, my girlfriend usually does not like games, but thanks to the pandemic, I got her into Stardew Valley and Animal Crossing and she loves them. I love to hear that. Hell yeah. And so for my answer, I just want to get right into the topic of the show, which is all about girly games. And so this might be a bit jumbled, a bit messy in how I have organized this, but that's why I do a podcast and not video essays. <laughs> Because I can just talk. And I, you know, I, I obviously try and keep it as structured as can be and make as much sense as possible. But let's be real here. I'm all over the place. So let's get into it. So I first want to give some, I guess, backstory. Not backstory, but like some context about girl games and my experience as a girl gamer, etc., etc. So, you know, growing up as a girl gamer... Literally every game I played basically had, you know, a male playable character, right? So I grew up on Crash Bandicoot, Kingdom Hearts, which Kingdom Hearts didn't have a female playable character in like mainline until Birth by Sleep, so I was already like 10 at that point. But, you know, growing up it was like Kingdom Hearts, Crash Bandicoot, Spyro, Mario, whatever. And so I wasn't playing as a girl 
playable character. And that's not really what we're talking about here, but I do think it's important to mention. Um, but in these girly games that were specifically targeted for young girls, like Bratz, Tinkerbell, those are, those are the ones that are coming to mind, because those are at the top of my mind. Uh, Winx Club, there was like a Trolls game, I think. Uh, there's a bunch of them out there. <laughs> there's a bunch of these games out there. You know, Barbie. And those were really the only games <laughs> that I remember playing as a kid that, you know, you could play as a female character. And that really um, kind of embraced femininity, I guess. And I feel like you do see that maybe a bit more now, or maybe I just wasn't playing the right games at the time. You know, I think of, I've talked a lot about dressing up as being a core part of girl games, but you know, if you play like the Tales series now, like Tales of Arise, um, most of the Tales games, I think you can put on different outfits and different accessories. And, you know, I think that that is, I'm really glad that that's more mainstream now and not just limited to, you know, dressing up in a girl game. It is something that is in a lot of games now, and I think that's really cool. But anyway, <laughs> and another thing I want to point out is that a lot of these games like Bratz or Tinkerbell or even, you know, silly online Flash dress-up games um, made me really happy because, you know, so many mainstream video games just didn't really think of girls or women as being a target audience. And th obviously that's changed a bit, but it's it's still very heavily male-dominated um, in the industry, you know, the people that are making the games, and it's, it's just very male-centric still. But I think we are moving, obviously, more towards neutral neutrality. I don't know if that's the right word I'm thinking of, but it's definitely not as gendered as it used to be. But growing up, <laughs> um, most games didn't even really think of women as being an audience. Like, the, that's what the girly games were for. That wasn't what Crash Bandicoot was for. That wasn't what GTA was for. I mean, obviously, GTA isn't for kids, but even, you know, women, not just girls, um, we weren't really thought of as being the market for video games until, I feel like, much later. So, <laughs> don't forget about that, y'all. Feminism has come far, but how far? You know, that was only a few years ago. I mean, not a few years ago, but like 10 years ago, which isn't very long in the grand scheme of things. Anyway, and another thing um, is that a lot of the games, at least I'm thinking of, were uh, licensed from movies, so that was a big thing. So Bratz, Tinkerbell, Disney Channel IPs, like High School Musical, which is Waverly Place, some stuff we've already touched on, um, Mary-Kate and Ashley, Hello Kitty, that type of stuff. A lot of girl games were from licensed IPs. You know, you weren't getting, you weren't getting, like, a new platformer that was made to appeal to girls. You know, Naughty Dog wasn't out here <laughs> when they were going to make their next game, going to be like, let's make it all pink and purple and let you dress up your main character and, you know, make this really good platformer, this, like, AAA platformer, but it's, like, really girly. Like, that wasn't happening. Um, a lot of these games were lower budget. They were shorter. Um, a lot of them were also on handhelds. And so... It was, it's very different than, I guess, mainstream gaming. So that's another thing I want to point out. <laughs> and similarly, I, I don't know, I'm, I'm, my words are all fucked up. Um, most mainstream games, it didn't want to appear girly, like, at all. <laughs> um, or at least not 
in certain ways. And I think of, like, the PS3 era. And this is an era of gaming that I still feel so much disconnect with, where it felt like everything was trying to appeal to some sort of, like, hyper-masculinity or, you know, it just felt, like, colorless and boring, at least from my perspective. I know there's some really good games from that era, you know, PS3, 360, whatever, but when I think of that era, like, I'm thinking, you know, like, Call of Duty and it just games that don't look colorful. They go for this hyper-realism that just doesn't look good. And, you know, it's all these white men with guns. Like, that was the era. That was the, that was that era in gaming was white men with guns <laughs> and blood and just fucking mess. And, like, obviously, I'm oversimplifying a bit because we did also kind of have the DS and 3DS during that era, which is a very different story. But generally speaking, in, like, the more hardcore gaming audience, I guess, with, you know, consoles, that was just fucking bleak. <laughs> and even now, with my PS3, I don't have many games from that era. Um, most of my PS3 games are, you know, PS2 collections. <laughs> it was just, oh, it was rough. And these girly games, and I think games that are trying to appeal to girls, or maybe just kids, I don't know, have brighter colors and pink and purple, and they just prioritize aesthetics in a different way. And, I mean, I feel like you still see that, you know, the Bratz, new Bratz game that got revealed, it's not like they're going for hyper-realism, which wouldn't make sense in the first place, but you know what I'm saying? It's very colorful, whereas mainstream gaming can be so like blah which has changed since the ps3 era but you still see games every now and then where you're like put some fucking color in it <laughs> this isn't nice to look at anyway and so although gender is a social construct at the end of the day and you know girls and women and whoever can play whatever games that they want to regardless of if they're the intentional audience like i said most of my analytics show me that most of y'all are men and a lot of, a lot of y'all still had answers for girly games. So there it is. Um, I feel like girly games are important and especially as a kid, they can act as a gateway into gaming as a whole. And so, I mean, I would have been into gaming either way. You know, I was playing Crash Bandicoot. I loved Crash Bandicoot. I loved Kingdom Hearts. That was really what got me into gaming. And so it's, I mean, but even Kingdom Hearts, I feel like, is almost a girly game in a way, <laughs> where a lot of Kingdom Hearts fans are girls. You might not think it, but I feel like a lot of Kingdom Hearts fans are girls. So, I mean, even then, it's it's not marketed towards girls, but anyway, I feel like it can be a gateway into gaming as a whole, because a lot of, at least during my era. It might be different now. I'm not a kid. <laughs> I'm not a kid growing up in fucking 2020 or whatever. But at least, you know, back then, I feel like it helped get more girls into gaming because it's just, at the end of the day, everyone wants to feel represented in the media that they consume and they want to feel like, they want to just enjoy themselves, right? And these girly games, even though, you know, they usually don't receive the same budget or care or depth as these more mainstream games, I feel like they're important for girls. And one thing I really love about these games is the idea of self-expression, which is 
like I've said, by dressing up. That is a big part of these games, and it's the one that keeps coming to mind for me when I'm thinking about my experience with girly games growing up. And I think, you know, being able to have that interactivity of dressing up and, you know, getting to choose what colors you like and what styles you like, I think that's really cool because it's, you know, it's usually not in this negative way. It's like embracing femininity in games, which, you know, is very masculine. And at least, you know, quote unquote masculine. It was back then. It's, you know, like I said, it's moving a bit more now towards being less gendered. But yeah, it's, it's really cool. And so when I was, you know, kind of typing out this outline for this section, it got me thinking about a lot of the mobile gotcha games that I play because I feel like a lot of them also appeal to a lot of girls. And so while I don't know, like, the exact numbers of the player base of, like, these games that I play, like, Love Live, Bang Dream Girls Band Party, Hatsune Miku Colorful Stage, etc., um, Ensemble Stars, I feel like they have a strong female audience just from the interactions that I've had online in those communities. Almost everyone I've talked to has <laughs> been a girl. And so I feel like that also as a, like, I, I don't want to say they're modern day girly games because they're not, but I think that some of the ideas are very similar. So in these games, you're not really, I mean, you can dress up your characters in some of them, just like picking outfits. It's, it's less dress up and more just picking out an entire outfit. Um, but I think a big reason um, that myself and that I'm sure a lot of the audience plays these games is because of how beautiful that like the character designs and the outfit designs are in the gotcha cards so like there's okay first off there's so many girls all of the cast in love live and bang dream girls man party they are all girls <laughs> and they have big casts so i think um love live uh school idol festival all stars that's gotta be that has almost 30 characters now i want to say and bang dream girls man party I also want to say close to 30 characters, maybe more, and uh, Hatsune Miku Colorful Stage, most of the characters are girls, there's like six male characters, and two of them are like already existing Vocaloids, so pretty much all these games except for Ensemble Stars have girls <laughs> as like the entire cast, and even with Ensemble Stars, um, it's still a girly game in a way in that the character that you play as is a girl. <laughs> the producer is a girl. And so even though um, you're not collecting these nice outfits for girls, you're still collecting these nice outfits and nice character art for boys. <laughs> and so when you combine this idea of having so many different character designs where it's like, you know, different hair, different different hair color, different styles, different eyes, different all these things, you know, these characters with their own personalities and, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And then you combine that with the different aesthetics of the different outfits that they can have on. So, like, a lot of these games will have, you know, one character in so many different outfits just from past gotchas. So, I think of, you know, Love Live, <laughs> which I have a lot of experience with, and... There's so many different outfits for, like, nine different girls, different themed outfits for the different girls. So I think of, you know, the Muse girls, and I think of Nozomi, and she has purple hair. She usually has a purple palette in general, and there's, like, different... And then you have other characters, like Maki, who has red hair and usually has a red palette, 
Um, you know, there's, there's a lot. <laughs> and, you know, take those different aesthetics and combine them with different themes. Then you get, like, mermaids. So you'll get different color palettes and different characters with looking like mermaids. And then there'll be another set where they're like fairies or there's a Victorian era set, a circus theme set, traditional sets. There's so much. And so even though it's not technically a dress-up game, technically pretty much every game I'm talking about here is a rhythm game when I'm talking about these mobile games, I think that that really helps appeal to girls <laughs> is, you know, the different outfits and collecting them and the different aesthetics. And it's just, it's, I really like it. I really like it. And I think that it just, it's fun and pretty. And that's what girls like, right? That's what I like anyway. I'm a girl. And just speaking more generally, I know I've said so many times now that, um, you know, these more feminine girly games do focus more on aesthetics. Um, I also think that that expands not just to like dressing up in brats or collecting as many cards and outfits as you can in Love Live, but also, you know, decorating your island in Animal Crossing. You see a lot of women getting really into that. And so it's just, I don't know. I don't know what it is about being a girl, but we tend to like that stuff. <laughs> we tend to really like aesthetics and making things pretty. I'm sure you could do a deep dive on that to see, you know, how society has made us think that way. But it's fun, right? It's fun looking at pretty outfits. Anyway. Another thing about these girly games is that they have a different emphasis when it comes to gameplay. So when most of us think of gameplay, we tend to think of things like combat, um, whether it's like an action RPG or a shooter, whatever, platforming, etc. And that's, I feel like, what most of us think of when we think of video games. Whereas these girly games, you know, they can and they do those things but there tends to be more of an emphasis on simulation gameplay. So whether that is decorating and dressing up or if it's something like The Sims where you're just making your Sims do random shit, creating like storylines. I see a lot of Sims players that just kind of create their own storylines for The Sims or, you know, just doing your dailies on Animal Crossing. That seems to be something that appeals to a lot of women. That's, you know, one common factor with a lot of these games. Or they have a lot of mini games. That's another thing um, with, you know, these girl games that a lot of them are mini game heavy, which I want to say, you know, less so now. You know, I'm talking mostly about those licensed, you know, Bratz, Tinkerbell, those types of games. Uh, now we mostly just see like Animal Crossing, or, you know, Sims. That's like completely different. But anyway, and so kind of getting into that, like, if you asked what types of games that girls play 15 years ago, you, you probably would get answers like Style Savvy, America's Next Top Model, Bratz, etc. Those games that are specifically made for young girls that didn't try to appeal to anyone masculine. Um, those were the games that got a lot of girls my age into gaming. But now, I think it's a bit different, you know? When we think of girl games now, we think of those simulation games like Animal Crossing, Sims, or Stardew Valley. And even though many people, other than just girls, play those games, it seems that as the video game industry evolves and perhaps society, that girly games aren't as in anymore. And, you know, I do think one side, it's good that we're moving away 
from this being, you know, such a masculine dominated industry that we have to make this small percentage of games just for girls. You know, I do think that they go, that's good. But at the same time, I don't want us to just lose those girly games that were um, on consoles and on handhelds. And so there's a few reasons why I think maybe we're seeing this shift other than, um, you know, just society evolving and stuff. Um, I think part of this could be just because of the decrease in licensed games in general over the past decade, because that, like I said, that's what a lot of these girl games were, were licensed games. And so, you know, back in the day, like, I have a shit ton of licensed PS2 games, like Madagascar, Robots, Winnie the Pooh. There's so many over on my shelf. Shrek. <laughs> there are so many of them. And now you don't see them unless they're big budget, you know, like Spider-Man. Like, that's, those are the type of licensed games that we get now. And obviously, you know, I feel like we're almost getting a revival of the licensed games. Like, I feel like I've been seeing more of them popping up. Like, obviously, you don't really see them in a Nintendo Direct very often. But I feel like maybe they're coming back. But um, games cost more money now, which I think is maybe another factor why we're getting less of these licensed games or and girly games is that a lot of these girly games were not high budget. <laughs> um, a lot of them were for handheld. They just, they were based off of mini games. There just wasn't nearly as much work, effort, money put into them compared to more mainstream games. And I think, you know, as the video game industry has become so much more competitive that it's become more difficult to kind of do that and not have it be a complete shit show. Because then we also have, you know, the rise of games journalism where I feel like any game could come out and, you know, anyone could review it, even if they're not the target audience and say that it's bad, and everyone would be like, oh, I don't know, it's just weird. Everything's changed. <laughs> and also the rise of mobile gaming. So, like I said, I'm not a child right now growing up in the 2020s, <laughs> but I do feel like maybe there's a lot more girly games there, because a lot of the girly games growing up for me were on the DS, which is a handheld system, and, you know, we don't really have a handheld system anymore. We have the Switch, but even then, you're getting games of, like, console-level quality on there. And so, you know, every kid now, I feel like, has their own iPad or something. We have these iPad babies. <laughs> and so, I feel like there's probably a lot more girly games there that I haven't really dug into. And even, like I was saying earlier, even, like, Love Live, Bandery, like, they're all mobile games that I would consider girl games. And I don't know where I was going with that. <laughs> I lost my train of thought, and now it's just fucking gone. <sighs> but anyway, you know, like I said, I feel like the last few years, there's been a decrease in these girly games, and maybe I'm just missing out because I'm not the target audience. Maybe I just don't see them. I don't know. But I do hope we're starting to see some sort of resurgence with, you know, the release of Bratz. And, you know, maybe this upcoming Disney Marvel showcase, maybe we'll get a new Tinkerbell game. Who knows? We are getting a new Disney game. Um, Disney Dreamlight, whatever the fuck it's called. So, you know, maybe we'll, we will see more of that, but I'm not optimistic. And, you know, although this new Bratz game is probably going to sell more for, like, grown Bratz fans like myself that, you know, want it for nostalgia, 
I, I do hope that it's a sign that we could see more of these girly games in the future. And maybe young girls growing up with current-gen consoles are content to be playing Mario Odyssey, Animal Crossing, Crash Bandicoot, etc. Um, those sort of, you know, not really gendered games, but just like games for kids. Um, you know, maybe they're just content with that. But I, I think it's important that we don't limit girls to just girly games. But I also think it's important that girly games continue to exist like they did 15 years ago. Um, these games help get girls and women into gaming and can help them feel like they belong in the industry and just, you know, having games as a hobby. Um, a lot of these games are just fun, too. <laughs> and another thing, like, a lot of these games were dress-up, you know, Flash games. You go online, you go on girlsgogames.com. And, I mean, Flash is, like, gone now, right? <laughs> So a lot of those games got wiped from existence. And I do think there is some uh, dress-up stuff still online. But, you know, I don't like the idea of girls losing, you know, just games as an outlet in the same way that it was years ago. You know, obviously times are changing. But I just think girl games are good. And, you know, I think that embracing femininity is good and it might seem kind of um materialistic or shallow that a lot of these girl games do focus on you know like looks and appearances and stuff but honestly i i don't see it that way i just see it as having fun <laughs> dressing up and it's just like aesthetically pleasing and you know a lot of games don't have that but it's something that a lot of girls like myself really enjoy and so i hope that you know, that's not lost. And, like, there's just so many aesthetics, too. Like, I think of the Tinkerbell game and how, like, to me, cottagecore seems like such a feminine um, aesthetic. At least, you know, that's kind of how it's been construed for a while. And I think of, you know, playing my Tinkerbell game and I'm like, this is so good, but I can't think of anything at the top of my head, like a recent game that gives me that same feeling of, you know, just being a fucking pretty fairy <laughs> and enjoying myself. So yeah, I think we need more girl games. Bring them back. Maybe they are coming back. I don't know. But I know this has been all over the place. <laughs> I apologize for this absolute jumble of thoughts. But I hope you enjoyed listening <laughs> to me ramble about girly games. And maybe, you know, you have some recommendations now from everyone's answers to the question and also just myself. I, I recommend Bratz and Tinkerbell in case you're wondering. Um, <laughs> but anyway, thank you so much for listening to the Luna's Galaxy podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please feel free to like, comment, and subscribe on YouTube or leave a review on Apple Podcasts. I'll be back on Tuesday, September 13th for the next episode where we'll be discussing who knows what. If you want to be a part of the Luna's Galaxy community, you can join our Discord server, link in the description. You can also keep up with me on Twitter, Instagram, or Twitch where I'm at EmmyLunaGames. And now you can also support me on Patreon. I hope you all have a wonderful day and I'll see you next time. Bye-bye.